This is Jared Gafford from the Comic Book HQ Podcast, and you're listening to So Wizard Podcast. Broadcasting very fast and very dangerous from the planet Malastare, you are listening to So Wizard. You're thinking, you're people gonna die? The only podcast to make the Kessel Run in under 12 parsecs. There'll be no one to stop us this time. What's going on, everybody? It is time for episode number 210 of the So Wizard podcast. I'm your host, Joey DiCarlo. My co-hosts are the queen of all nerds, Aubrey Litchfield. Battle formations. And the expert, Mr. Marquis Marcellus Reagans. All up in your face like you. <laughs> you are listening to So Wizard podcast. Three friends discuss the world of nerd podcasting weekly. This week, we got some nerdy news to talk about, and then you're going to hear all about me and Markellis' trip to Fan Expo Boston, formerly known as Boston Comic Con, in lovely Boston, Massachusetts, City of Champions. But before we get into that, how's everybody doing this week? Markellis, tell us (laughs) Markellis. Yeah, I've been keeping busy with my uh, movie reviews. I got a couple more up for this week. Um, Another one that's sitting uh, sitting in a chamber. I'm not really too excited about writing about that one. I'm like, uh, but uh, yeah, you know, I've been trying to put some content up on a website, you know, keep the keep the train rolling. Nice. So movie pass is working again. Is that what it is? Yeah. Well, it's uh, they're going to be changing it soon. It changes, I believe, the middle of next month. And mine is going to renew right before that. So I went to the movies yesterday and a movie pass worked. So I'm going to try it again tomorrow. See what it does. But uh, as long as it's working, I'm going to take advantage of it while I can. Awesome. No complaints there. How about you, Aubrey? What's going on? I'm still employed. (laughs) They haven't (laughs) fired you yet? Awesome. I keep hoping, but it never happens. But even then, GameStop still hires you back, even if they fire you. So I just have to practice some self-control. So this week was the uh, big release of Madden 2019, right? Yeah, it was. That's got to be an exciting time for you. It was. It was living the dream. <laughs> I had um, somebody call me today and threatened to come in and beat up my assistant manager if he ever saw him again. He's like, let me know next time he's working. I'm going to come in there. I'm going to kick his ass. And I was like, sir, I cannot condone you coming in and beating up my employee. I cannot condone violence of any type. (laughs) Please just don't come in my store and beat up my employee. (laughs) Well, the positive is he doesn't want to beat you up. The negative is if he beats up your assistant, you're going to have to work those shifts. I know. That's what I keep, like, dreading, too. Like, oh, God, I can't. I can't do it. I can't. Um, and, and so by the end of it, he was laughing and, and he was joking with me and he told me I can call him anytime cause I have a soothing voice. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, somehow I have that effect on people. Did you ask I mean, him if he likes podcasts? Yes, I, I should have, you know, it, it's weird. Like everybody who's mad in the district manages to somehow find the number to my store and call me and it, they're like yelling and complaining about another store and screaming. And I have no control. 
the district manager's office is literally across the street from my store in a different store. And they still managed to call my store and yell to me about how mad they are. And I always calm them down. I have a gift with the people of retail. That is a really terrible power. Were you bitten by a radioactive retail store at some point? (laughs) I must have been. I keep hoping that I'm going to amount to something else in my life, but then I keep being (laughs) extremely disappointed when I keep coming back to retail, realizing that that is one of the only things that I am good at in the world. Well, we still love you, Aubrey. Somebody's got to. That's right. All (laughs) right, Mark Ellis, why don't you tell the listeners out there, they might be their first time listening, they need to find out where they can get more Soul Wizard podcasts. All right, so everybody can go to soulwizardpodcast.com where you will find new episodes every week. You'll find movie reviews from yours truly. Uh, you'll also find some Netflix and Amazon streaming picks from our buddy Adam Wallyhawk. You'll also find some of our merchandise there so you can purchase some of our t-shirts and our swag look good while you're representing the show. Uh, another great way to support our show is by doing your Amazon shopping through the link that we keep right on the website. Click on that big A. Do your shopping, receive your Amazon products, and you'll be helping out our little show too. Uh, you can also find our social media links there. We have Facebook, we have Twitter, Instagram. You can subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts and give us a five-star review while you're there. Uh, you can also find us on a Stitcher Radio app for your tablet or smartphone. We're on Podbean. We're on Google Play Music. You can also stream us through my personal favorite way of listening to podcasts, Spotify. You can also find our show along with some other fantastic podcasts on the nerdpodcastmafia.com website. What's up to the Nerd Podcast Mafia? Uh, This week's K-pop jam is Red Velvet Mosquito. I am Thanos. Give me all your special rocks. <laughs> what the hell is that from? Why does that sound so familiar? I'll, I'll send you the video. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Marcellus, hit us with the news. What's going on in the world of nerd this week? The globe of geek. Yo, pump it up. It's time for the news. Yo, we getting ready to bring you the news, All right, so this week in Nerdy News, uh, let's start with a place that we're all familiar with, a place that we frequently go to, a place that we have to go back to. No. (laughs) Don't do it. We have to go back! Yes, in the uh, current trend of, hey, let's just announce some movies, Warner Brothers DC have announced that they have a Supergirl movie in development. Now... Seeing how they haven't been able to get Superman right, the fact that they're going to attempt to do a Supergirl movie, especially when there's a TV show that's um, happening right now, seems pretty audacious. I honestly have no idea what the hell they're doing at Warner Brothers, other than warning a brother. But uh, what's, what do you guys think of a Supergirl that fit within the DC Cinematic Universe? Let's start with Aubrey. I don't know if it would make it any better. I don't know. All right. I know you're not a fan of the TV show. Does the thought of a Supergirl movie uh, entice you even a little bit? No, not really. All right. I, I'm not interested at all. I think it would just be 
silly. I don't know. It, it doesn't excite me at all. It doesn't, I don't know. All right. All right, Joey, what about you? Oh, uh, they don't, they can't even get Superman right. How are they going to get Supergirl right? <laughs> Shouldn't they be worried about like Superman and Batman not being terrible before they bring out like all these uh, peripheral characters? Well, supposedly there's some kind of big movement that's happening where they're going to start to rebuild the, the Superman universe. Uh, them announcing Supergirl is one like piece of the puzzle. S- at some point soon, they're going to announce, hopefully, that there is a Man of Steel 2 coming and Henry Cavill is back, you know, playing the, the version of Superman that we want to see instead of the dark and gloomy one snapping people's necks. <laughs> I don't like the Supergirl TV show anymore. Um, I do lo- really like Mel- Menis- <laughs> Melissa Benoist. Yeah. Um, uh, so yeah, she's she can get it. Really depends on on who they cast and what it, kind of movie it's going to be. Um, hopefully, something more uplifting and fun would be good. Obviously, it can't be worse than uh, Helen Slater as Supergirl, right? Oh, I love that movie. Don't you talk? You about love that, that movie? movie? I fucking love that movie. I, got I haven't seen it in like probably 30 years. I just remember Popeyes and uh, really bad like movie. Mm-hmm. That movie is fucking horrendous, but I still love it. <laughs> Maybe that's a future I hate you now watch. Have you ever seen that, Aubrey? No. Oh, shit. That's happening. <laughs> you know what you say to Aubrey when she hasn't seen the original Supergirl movie, right? You just made the list! <laughs> Put it on the list. Adding it right now. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I'm not against the idea of a Supergirl movie. It just seems it's it's very Sony Spider-Man Cinematic Universe. Asterisk. Sony Spider-Man Cinematic Universe may not contain Spider-Man. Um, to make a movie about Supergirl before you even got Superman right. But, yeah. You know. Well, I'm glad you, you brought up the uh, Sony Spider-Man Cinematic Universe. Oh, we're, no. We're, we're going to be we're going to be coming back to that. But let's uh, let's kick it around the DC Universe a little bit more. Uh, so in other DC movie news, uh, the Birds of Prey movie does have its villain. The villain of the Birds of Prey movie is Black Mask. Now, I am not familiar with this character other than the DC animated movie. He was the villain in one of them. I want to say it was the, the killing. No, it wasn't a killing joke. It was one one of the DC animated movies had the Black Mask as a villain. I thought it was kind of cool, like a gangster with a, well, like a red skull, but it was a black skull. I'm not sure how this is going to fit with the Birds of Prey movie, but Joey, do you know a little bit more about the Black Mask, and do you think that's a good fit? Yeah, I mean, that's a cool villain they've never done on screen before. Uh, it's more of a street-level villain. He's like a mob boss. Yeah. So, you know, that definitely fits w- with the different characters they've announced. I mean, it sounds pretty cool. We'll see. It, again, it's DC, so we'll see how it turns out, but who knows? I mean, they've announced how many movies at this point? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Uh, 117, I think we're up to. I don't know. It reminds me of, you know how like Kevin Feige says that Marvel has like a big board in their office with like lists of characters that they might want to work on. Yep. I feel like DC has the same thing, but somebody keeps leaking everything someone adds to the board. (laughs) So like Fred, the intern walks over and scribbles like Supergirl in like dry erase marker. Yeah. And then someone else walks by and is like, whoa, it starts like (laughs) tweeting all these, uh, quote unquote insiders about it <laughs> probably that that wouldn't surprise me at all because they sound like a bunch of idiots the way that they're doing it 
I bet like not even five of those movies come out. Yeah, we're definitely going to have like a, a running tally. We should offer an award for every movie that actually like makes it to the screen. They have a, an award. It's called the Razzies. Oh, <laughs> they do a, a Soul Wizard Award for every DC EU movie to actually they actually put on a big screen. What shall we call it? The Giant Wiz. The, <laughs> the, the Wizzies. The worst of them all is the Giant Wiz. Yeah, I like that. We'll 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 kick it around a little bit. We'll we'll come up with something. DC. Aubrey, what about you? How do you feel about Black Mask as a villain? You know, it's interesting. Um, my experience with Black Mask has been from the Batman games. Okay. So I'm not entirely sure how they're going to um, work it into a Birds of Prey movie. You know, that's kind of an odd villain to decide for a Birds of Prey movie. But, you know, I guess we'll see how it goes. Yeah, I feel like it kind of should have been Poison Ivy, maybe as a villain. It, it should have been somebody else. All right. All right. So even uh, like the Riddler would have made a little bit no, more yeah. sense. You got to save the Riddler for the big boys for uh for the the big money. Why why waste somebody on something that's gonna suck? Well, we'll see. We'll see. We could be. You know, we kind of did the same thing when Heath Ledger was announced as the Joker. So, you know, DC does have their moments of turning it around. I know, Arbor, you you don't like Harley Quinn. I still think Margot Robbie was like one of the best casting moves ever for that character. Yeah, I think she is. The most aggravating character in the entire world, but, you know. All right. So, uh, speaking of strong female characters in the DC universe, we have a new Batwoman. They're going to be bringing a character on as part of a four-part crossover event for the DC uh, TV shows on the CW. And Ruby Rose has been cast as Batwoman. Uh, Ruby Rose, you might remember from John Wick 2, and in this week's shark classic the meg uh aubrey are you familiar with ruby rose and what do you think about her playing batwoman i'm not familiar with ruby rose however i have heard a lot about her and i think that it's great very right, cool cool joey i'm almost afraid to ask what do you think of ruby rose's batwoman uh yeah i think it's awesome um i thought she was cool in, in john wick too i think that's the only thing i've ever seen her in other than like the fact that she's like smoking hot, mm-hmm. <laughs> so those two things uh, seem to add up very well. Um, she's not a good actress, so again, we're still we're still in the CW <laughs> wheelhouse right now. Exactly. Uh, I don't know how fast she can cornrow hair, so she's <laughs> she's not duplicating anyone's powers on Arrow. And uh, yeah, I mean, I'm down. We'll have to see how it goes. I mean, if they have the four part crossover and it's really lame or it's just like not working. Then I think Batwoman TV show goes up in smoke and we never see it again. Right. But I also don't think they would not that she's a huge star, but they wouldn't pay somebody that's a name. You know what I mean? They could have found like a zillion CW looking actresses out there. Right. <laughs> I'm sure even some that were uh, lesbian or whatever, to uh, you know, make sure that the character is authentic, but they they specifically paid someone with a name, so I think we're getting the TV show regardless. Yeah, exactly. That Batwoman TV show is not going to fail. They they won't let it. We're you're getting it whether we want it or not. Well, I thought she was cool in John Wick too, and she can handle action, so I'm all in. Yeah, other you've than, probably seen more stuff with her than than I. Me and Aubrey have. 
Yeah, I was, yeah. Gonna, I was gonna say I saw her in the Meg, and she has really stupid dreads. <laughs> <laughs> they're not. They're not like real dreads. They're like like greasy straight dreads. I don't know. It's fucking weird. But uh, so it's like she's going to a three eleven concert. Yes. Oh, you nailed it, man. You fucking nailed it. That's exactly what it looks like. Um, so yeah. Other than her stupid hair, she's a great. She's a, a very beautiful woman, and I think she'll be a really good Batwoman, from what I know of the character. Sweet. All right. And then the last thing is they cast a new cyborg for the Doom Patrol TV show that's going to be on the DC streaming app. I'm not too familiar with Doom Patrol. I think we talked about this before. But the thing that excited me about this is that uh, I didn't realize it was a Greg Berlanti uh, production. So, you know, obviously he's proven himself when it comes to the DC characters. A new cyborg for a TV show. I have no problem with that at all. Joey. How do you feel about Cyborg being in a, in a Doom Patrol TV show? I think the most important thing to find out is how does Cyborg feel about Batman? Fuck Batman. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, that's fine. I, it's really frustrating with Cyborg because a few years ago, like they decided they were going to force him into Justice League. Right. So now like he's not in Titans where he should be. And... But now there's I don't maybe there's no Justice League in this like DC cinematic streaming universe. So um, now he's in Doom Patrol. I don't know why he would be in Doom Patrol because he's I don't think he's ever been a member of Doom Patrol. Beast Boy was a member of Doom Patrol. Um, so I, I don't know. Can we please just stop this nonsense and put him back in Titans where he belongs? I understand why they wanted him in Justice League. because They wanted to have um, diversity in the team. And they didn't want to use John Stewart, but just use John Stewart because he's people are he's a member of Justice League. That's fine. Like, stop trying to ruin Titans by cramming Cyborg into uh, Justice League. Sorry, that's my rant about that. But yeah, that's fine. I'm not going to watch it anyway. So well, I'll probably watch <laughs> the podcast. But after that Titans trailer, I'm just not really feeling anything they're doing on the streaming service unless a Doom Patrol trailer comes out and it's like knocks it out of the park. And yeah. it's like, you know. Fuck Plastic Man or something. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I think because uh, Berlanti is behind all of these uh, DC TV shows that they, there will be some crossover. So you will see. I'm pretty sure you'll see Cyborg on Titans, uh, you know, as a guest part or whatever. Aubrey. Will he be singing about burritos? <laughs> and waffles? Yeah. Is that a thing? Yeah. Uh, Aubrey, what about you? How do you feel about Cyborg joining the Doom Patrol? I don't care. <laughs> Well, you know, I think there is someone that actually does care. I care. <laughs> Perfect. Perfect. All right, so uh, let's yeah, let's get out of the DC universe. Let's get into. Oh, thank God. <laughs> let's get into some Sony Spider-Man oh, no. Cinematic Universe. Wah, wah, wah. So Sony taking a page out of all right now that uh, the Fox and Disney deal is pretty much done. Uh, Disney's going to be taking over pretty much comic book movies for the foreseeable future. Everybody's got to get on get some of that comic book movie money. So Sony pulling the page out of DC is like, yeah, we're going to start announcing stuff, too. They already got rid of the silver and black movie, which I'm still pissed about. But apparently Silver Sable and Black Cat are actually getting their own movies. Two separate movies, along with a Silk movie, a Jackpot movie, and a title that we already talked about, Nightwatch. So that's five Spider-Man movies that have been announced 
and we still haven't gotten our first good look at Venom yet. I, I I have no words. Joey, how do you feel about all of these movies being announced? Is there any of these group of movies that seems somewhat enticing to you? I know we talked about Nightwatch before. No. Oh, you want me to keep going? <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, it's the same thing like we said with Craven last week. It, you know, it takes all these characters off the table for Marvel to use in their Spider-Man movies. I haven't we haven't seen Venom yet, so we don't know how they're going to do handling these characters on their own. And and a lot of these characters spin out of interactions with Spider-Man, so not being able to have Spider-Man like I mean, I guess you could make a Black Cat movie if it's just about her. But the most interesting stories of Black Cat are her interacting with Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. I guess you can make a Silver Sable movie, I guess. You know? I can't imagine anyone in the world wants a jackpot movie. Like, is, is this real life? Like, are we really scraping the bottom of the barrel this bad that we're going to make <laughs> a Night Watch and a jackpot movie? Oh, my God. It's an embarrassment of riches for superhero movies, but sometimes it's just like maybe that's what will kill superhero movies. <laughs> Sony releases jackpot. Well, I do applaud them for trying to add some diversity to the superhero genre. You know, all of these characters are women except for Nightwatch. He's a black guy. So at least we're getting something that's not a straight white male as a super as a lead of a, of a superhero movie that I can appreciate. So yay, Sony. Aubrey, how do you feel about all of these superhero, Sony Spider-Man superhero characters coming to the big screen? Any of them excite you at all? Um, I really like Black Cat, but I think that they're overwhelming everybody with how much they're releasing. Because, they, you know what, when we really break it down, people in general don't know comic book characters at all. Right. Like, they, they know the main ones. Yep. But... I mean, like, I guarantee the majority of people that went to the movies have no idea who Black Panther is. I guarantee. So it it's tough for me to be excited about it because I feel like they're going to overwhelm everybody and it's going to flop because they're going too far. You might be right. You might be right. But they haven't announced the Spider-Gwen movie yet. So there's still <laughs> hope. There's still some restraint being shown by Sony. Is Emma Stone going to come back for that? I love Emma Stone. I will watch a movie with Emma Stone, but it's just because it's Emma Stone. It doesn't mean it's good. I just want a Silk movie with all of the uh, members of Girls' Generation playing the same character. <laughs> they don't even say anything. They just switch them out scene by scene. I just want all nine of them in the movie together. Have, how do you even have a Silk movie without Spider-Man? <laughs> <laughs> You know, that's the other problem is how are you going to establish these characters without Spider-Man? How are you going to establish any of these characters' storylines without including Peter Parker or Spider-Man? How are you going to do that? You can't. They're not attached to anything meaningful to people. It's going to take a little bit of creativity, but I think it can be done. They did a whole season of the Birds of Prey TV show without (laughs) Batman. So yeah, but I don't done. think anybody watched it. I didn't watch it. <laughs> I, I own the DVDs. I don't fucking watch it. <laughs> I watched a couple episodes. Yeah. yeah you know, people, people in general need to have something that hooks them onto it. Right. And people as a whole are going to look at this and be like, why should I care? 
They don't know why they should care because they don't know why it's cool yet. That's why it's up to Sony to uh, impress us. We see what they it's think. Up to Sony. Yeah, but it's gonna flop because it's up to Sony. I think Venom needs to be a big hit, and yep. then they can kind of use him as their Iron Man. Yep, yep. I think that was their. Pl- I think that's that's their plan. Actually, God, I can't believe I'm brainstorming this shit. But <laughs> yeah, I, I, it's just gonna be tough because nobody gives a shit about any of these characters. But then to be fair, like nobody gave a shit about probably about like 80% of the characters in the MCU until, you know, they built up a reputation for quality, good movies and people wanted to go see them. I just, I don't have any faith in any of this stuff. (laughs) (laughs) I think are we really going to really going to get a jackpot movie? Like, are you kidding me right now? (laughs) Oh my God. Whatever, dude, there was a movie with a talking tree or a talking raccoon and a, you know, human sized tree walking and, and moving around. So, it could be done. A little creativity, it could be done. People will buy into it. It could be done by a good movie <laughs> studio. <laughs> Sony. Oh, all right. Yeah, you're right. I can't, I can't, I can't argue against that. All right. So can't wait for Sony to announce the big wheel movie. Is that a, that's not a real character, is it? Yeah, it's a guy in a big wheel. <laughs> I thought you meant like big wheels, like the, the things that we used to uh, race around when we were kids. <laughs> All right, so uh, yeah, that's pretty much it for the Sony <laughs> Cinematic Universe, the Sony Spider-Man Cinematic Universe, which may not contain Spider-Man. Um, so then, a few other quick hits: uh, the movie that Chris Pratt was working on, going to be working on, a movie that they've been talking about forever, Cowboy Ninja Viking, was pulled from the schedule. It doesn't have a date for when it's going to come out, and after talking about this movie, I feel like for years. I'm stunned that it's not going to be coming out. Are you guys disappointed that we're not going to get Chris Pratt in Cowboy Ninja Viking Aubrey? You know, I am a little bit. Because I feel like if anybody was going to pull off a movie that was about Cowboy Ninja Vikings, it would have been Chris Pratt. <laughs> you think that was right in his wheelhouse? I, I do. And I'm a little disappointed that I can't see him in it. That's right. I think we're Chris Pratt's name might come up a, a little bit later on in the show. Joey, what about you? How do you feel about losing Cowboy Ninja Viking? It's fine. I mean, it's a pretty... I mean, it sounded really interesting, but it seems almost too weird high concept now for somebody that is just making nonstop blockbusters, so... Yeah. But he he wanted to do it, man. This was his baby. This was his... This is like, if he was Ryan Reynolds, this is his Deadpool. (laughs) Well, then wait about 10 years. (laughs) (laughs) Just film some scenes and leak it online. Let Let the group decide. Let the audience decide. All right, so Chris Pratt, I'm sorry, but for Cowboy Ninja Viking, we have to say. I love that. So then a couple of first looks dropped this week. We got our first look at Tom Hardy as Al Capone in the cinematic return of Josh Trank in Fonzo. Aubrey, what did you think of your boo Tom Hardy as Al Capone in that picture? I don't know how this was everybody's first look because I've been looking at him for months now on Instagram looking like this. He's well, been posting pictures of him as Fonzo, well, Al Capone, um, for months now. Oh, I guess it's just me. Yeah. Then. It's my first look at him because I have no, no idea. I mean, like it was, it was announced all over the Internet that it was like their first look. But um, I, on Instagram, I've been looking at him like that for months now. I think this might have been the first. I think this might have been because it came directly from Josh Trank, and it's a newer one mm-hmm. of him Fuck in like Josh pajamas. 
<laughs> right, I so, swear I've seen that picture like months ago, though, of him looking like that. I'm going to look at my Instagram. I'm going to send it to you guys, but I'm pretty sure I saw that picture. Uh, uh, yeah, you've seen you've I'm sure you've seen him look like that. Probably not that picture, though. Um, but what did you think of him? What do you think of his new look? Is he still like, you know, is still it's your still baby beautiful. or what? Yeah, it's still yeah beautiful. and once I hear him speak, oh. it's like Niagara Falls. <laughs> I'm a gangster. Yeah, I'm Al Capone. <laughs> I want to love you. You can love me all the time. <laughs> all right, Joey, what about you, man? What did you think of uh, this look at Tom Hardy as Al Capone? Josh Trank is back. Yeah. The Phoenix Rises. New phone. Who dis? <laughs> oh, no! <laughs> God, it looks awful. It looks like a sequel to Nothing But Trouble. Jesus. Dan Aykroyd and all that makeup. That's right. Plus Josh Trank. I don't know. I hope uh, Tom Hardy's getting a lot of money for this. I know. He's, he's walking in some... He's trying to fill out some big shoes, man. Robert De Niro played Al Capone in possibly one of my favorite movies of all time, The Untouchables. So Tom Hardy better bring it. And no, none of that mumbling, that taboo mumbling or weird Scottish Bane voice. You better bring something <laughs> good. All right. So then uh, we also got a first look at uh, Dora the Explorer, the live action movie based on the hit Nickelodeon cartoon show uh, with the girl from Transformers, one of the last ones. And she was also in the sequel to Sicario, which I still haven't seen yet. But based on the picture, she looks like a teenage version of Dora. They, I think they kind of nailed it. Aubrey, what did you think of the, this image? This is still happening. It's Yeah, it's definitely still happening. That's unfortunate. <laughs> That's all I have to say about it. All right, Joey, what about you? Um, It looks like Dora. <laughs> <laughs> right? They nailed it, kind Except- of. Except her shirt fits. I'm not sure what that's all about. <laughs> well, she's in high uh, school. All, she has to... Right, right. It also looks like it was like, it's like someone's last known photograph. Like, where was that picture taken? It's like, it, <laughs> Dora was filmed on location in an abandoned lot. No, that looks like a big cornfield. It's like got a M. Night Shyamalan <laughs> signs or something. <laughs> I don't know. It just looks like some, some like dirty lot you'd see in like the middle of the city or something. So, yeah, I've never watched one episode of Dora the Explorer, uh, but I'm psyched that Kids are going to get to have a female kids version of Tomb Raider, I guess. I just want to know, what the where's the monkey? Isn't there a monkey named Boots that's supposed to be around there? Sure, Boots yeah. is all CG. Oh. And Swiper. <laughs> Andy Circus as Boots. Where's Swiper at, though? All right. So then in uh, last bit of news, it looks like Star Trek Four is running into a little bit of a snag. The two Chris's may be walking away from it. They're going to do Star Trek four with uh, Chris Pine as Kirk and Chris Hemsworth, Thor himself, returning as Kirk's dad. We're going to do some kind of weird time travel Star Trekky thing uh, because Chris Hemsworth is a big name now. But these- Chris Hemsworth is gorgeous. <laughs> but these guys are big stars now. They, you know, they make that big money. They're in the big blockbusters, putting them in an ensemble movie with a bunch of other people. And them trying to keep that budget relatively respectable, especially considering the last Star Trek movie didn't make that much. They're in a pretty tough position. Paramount might even consider recasting them. Uh, I hear Chris Pratt is looking for a job. (laughs) I hear the Ninja Viking himself might be looking for a job. So how do you guys feel about them making another Star Trek movie if it doesn't have the two Chris's in it? Aubrey. This seems weird. I mean, I I don't know. They'd have to make it a different... 
series. They couldn't go with the original series because then they're just really messing it up. But they put so much time and money into rebuilding this new Star Trek series. Yeah, but they're, um, then they're going to destroy it by bringing somebody else in. Oh, we still get we'll still get Kirk and Spock, and yeah, but it'd be with different people. You spend so much time building this franchise up with specific people, and then you're just going to change those people. You might as well just change the whole thing again. Okay, yeah, that's fair. That's fair. I can see that, Joey. What about you, man? Um, I don't really like Star Trek, but the uh, Star Trek movies, the more recent ones, have been uh, at least somewhat enjoyable. Yeah. As enjoyable as Star Trek can be, I guess. But if they're not gonna have, you can't. How do you, how do you have Star Trek without Captain Kirk? Like what? Is Sony making this movie? <laughs> the Star Trek cinematic universe may not contain Captain Kirk. <laughs> um, I don't know why they just scrap it and do a uh, Next Generation reboot. Yeah, right. Everybody sure. loves the Next Generation. Right, and I'm sure they can find some cheap actors. To take those roles on, they don't have to all be name actors and just you keep can it have cheap. Chris Pratt as Riker. <laughs> no. Yeah. <laughs> I I say they bring in Chris Pratt and uh, Chris Evans to take over uh, the uh, Captain Kirk and uh, his father role. Swap them out with <laughs> swap out two Chris's with two other Chris's. No one will notice. I think we're going to end up with Tommy Wiseau and Greg Sestero at, at this point with the budget. So. If they do a if they do a next generation movie, Tom Hardy, With Tommy Wiseau. Oh, I, I want. I was gonna say Tom Hardy as a as a Picard. Tom Hardy as everybody. <laughs> I like Tommy Wiseau. Tommy Wiseau as Spock. They'd be great. It just seems so illogical. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Okay. Um. And yeah, that's it. That's all I got for the news. All right. Well. That's going to take us out of the news and into me and Mark Ellis's discussion of our time at Fan Expo Boston. So huge shout out to the people at Fan Expo Boston for getting us the press passes so we can check it out. And you're going to hear all about it starting now. All right. So we are back. Me and Mark Ellis are here to talk about our time at Fan Expo Boston and wonderful, beautiful Boston, Massachusetts, the city of champions. So, Mark Ellis, have you ever been to Boston Comic Con before? Yeah, I know I have, like years ago. Um, I haven't been there since it's been a Fan Expo Boston, but I did go back to the original Boston Comic Con. See, I'm, yeah, I'm in the same boat. I had been uh, a long time ago, and then I went a few years in a row with my daughter when it was still Boston Comic Con, and then I missed it last year. I don't remember what was going on last year, but I'm sure it was just part of the crush of everything happening at once that seems to happen towards the end of the summer. So we did miss out on it last year, but we're definitely on our way this year. So I uh, worked the night before. I worked 5 to 9.30 at one of my jobs. Then I went and worked 10 to 6.30 at my other job at night into the morning. And then I came home, took a shower, shaved my head, and picked up Mark. Yep. But the the good news is you didn't hurt your ankle. That's the important part. Right, right. So my feet still hurt like hell towards the end of the day because that's just par for the course at this point. Uh, And, and of course, I always exist in a perpetual state of tired. But we we got down there pretty good and didn't really have any problems. So it was a pretty quick, easy drive. And we found parking pretty easy, too. I was really worried about parking. 
but it wasn't a problem. There was plenty of parking around to the side. We headed right in. We got our badges, but first, Marcellus, you had to stop off in the bathroom for a reason. Yeah, I had to do my uh, Clark Kent into Superman transition, except for there was no phone booths. Just right. a bunch of uh, bathrooms with guys in there, little kids in there. So it was a little awkward. But uh, yeah, I wanted to cosplay as a Shepard Book uh, from Firefly because I knew that As Kaylee Fry was going to be there. And I figured this will be my only chance to to do this, to meet her while dressed as Shepard Book. So instead of wearing a wig and a fake mustache all the way to Boston, I decided to change one when we got there. I will say when you told me you were cosplaying, I was worried you were going to just walk out of the house in full regalia. <laughs> and then it'd be like, oh, yeah, stop at this rest stop to go to the bathroom. Right. <laughs> <laughs> People would be like, what's Doc Brown doing here? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I thought about it, but uh, wisely, I did not do that. I don't know anything about cosplay outside of following very attractive female cosplayers on Instagram. So I don't know if you're supposed to wear your costume in the car there or get dressed when you get there. I don't know anything about this. Well, usually conventions are done like, you know, they're overnight and people stay at a hotel. So usually you do your costume like in the hotel room before you head down to the floor, to the show floor. Ah, well, we should have. Uh, so this is something we could have asked Akane Satome when we saw her. <laughs> oh, yeah. In between the uh, the punishing sound of the five hour energy truck. But <laughs> more about that later. So we got in, we got our badges, and we entered the show floor. What did you think of the show floor, Mark? Uh, you know, it's almost like any other convention. You know, you walk in and you're instantly hit with uh, uh, visual overload. Uh, not not quite sure where to start. But uh, once we started to walk around, I actually thought it was really cool. I thought it was amazing that they had pretty much all of the the good stuff right on the same floor. Like right in the same area. You like moved from section to section very seamlessly there wasn't any abrupt like oh where do we go from here like you can just move right through each of the sections very easily uh, so that i thought was really cool i thought the layout was actually really really cool from a a person who's going to the con the people who are actually working at con i'm not really sure how they felt about the layout <laughs> right 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 i was in the same boat it, it's been a while since i've been to a huge con like this um the last time I went to a huge show was uh, New York, maybe two years ago. So, and that's not to knock on any of the other shows that we go to, but even Rhode Island, which is massive, didn't feel as big a space as this. Yeah. Um, and that's partially just because Rhode Island is in the biggest possible venue it can be in to still be Rhode Island Comic Con. <laughs> <laughs> so they do what they can and make everybody fit. But this was just a massive open space. It was great. I mean, there was a ton of people there. And I think maybe once there was a little bit of a traffic jam walking between aisles. But I never, ever felt like I needed to drop to the floor in a fetal position and <laughs> like start having a panic attack. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I was amazed at how big that place is. It's massive. It is. I don't want to say perfect, but it's damn near a perfect place for uh, a convention like that because with all of the stuff that they had inside of it, and there was still plenty of room to walk around outside in a couple of different levels for the uh, the rooms for the panels. So, you know, I can I can definitely see how that convention itself is like a, I, don't know, I want to say like a beacon of light, but it's like, a you know, I can see why they would have it there. I can see that that building was designed almost for that uh, particular purpose. Mm-hmm. Cool. So, yeah, we headed in. First thing we did was was hit up Artist Alley, um, walk around there a little bit, and we got to run into our friend Aaron, 
Aaron Wood, graphic designer and the master of Google Plus. <laughs> Is that still a thing? Is that still happening? Yeah, if you if you ever wanted to be a master of a dead social media <laughs> empire, his empire of dust. Um, yeah, and he was selling posters and things there, and that was cool. I mean, what did you think of Artist Alley overall, Mark? Was there a lot of – that's your big thing. I know you're really into uh, walking around there and finding indie comics. What did you think of uh, the different variety of things they had there? Well, I'm not going to lie. Uh, this year, I did not focus a lot on Artist Alley because – with so many conventions coming up, I I have to be really careful about where I spend my money. And I, I, you know, if I see someone cool, if I see a cool looking book, chances are I'm probably going to pick it up. So I had like horse blinders on all through. Yeah, I was Alley. trying to follow you around and slap things out of your hand all week. <laughs> <laughs> so I didn't really get a chance to like really deep dive into Artist Alley like I usually do. Uh, but I did, I still wound up looking at some of them. I thought it was pretty cool. Like I said, the way it's, des- it's designed, the way to, the setup is designed, it was actually really cool. It was very easy to weave in and out just of that particular corner of the convention. Um, it was very easy to find and very easy to navigate. So yeah, I did like it. I, I kind of wish that I had, had a little bit more money to spend there, but I, I think I did all right. Honestly, dude, I think we, we had, um, maybe planned a little better and that's on our that's on us that's not on fan expo but um if we had known a little farther out that we were going we uh, this could have been a two-day show oh definitely (laughs) definitely you know money and logistics wise i don't know if that we could have made that happen this year but this is def there was enough stuff to do there that this was definitely a two at least a two-day show you know but then i went and got in line to get the single celebrity autograph that i had to get (laughs) (laughs) One of the voice actors from Voltron, Jeremy Shada, who was also the voice of Fen on Adventure Time, uh, was signing. And he voices my daughter's favorite character on Voltron, Lance. So it was very important that I get this autograph for her. I was, I, she gave me the money. I got in line. And the lines were massive. <laughs> and the Voltron fans are nuts. <laughs> Thank God. God bless them. And that was where I saw my first like really awesome cosplay it was two girls in front of me. It was they were cosplaying like the most obscure Voltron reference like on the face of the earth. And there's a picture of it on our Facebook uh, page as well. But at, at some point in one of the seasons, Lance decides he wants a milkshake and he gets a cow. And then it's kind of a running joke of the cow being around. And so one of the girls was dressed as a cow and the other girl was dressed as Lance if he was a waitress at a 50s diner and roller skates. Like who would come up? Who would come up with that? That's why when I saw it, I just kind of, I kept looking at the girl in front of me. I'm like, I don't want to be like weird and creepy, but I'm like looking at her and I'm like, is she a fucking cow from Voltron? <laughs> like, <laughs> like that's such a fucking obscure reference. Like how it'd be like somebody like. You know, if you obviously not everyone watches Voltron, but if somebody was like dressed as like Wilro Hood from Star Wars and you just like stand in there like staring at him like that's fucking obscure. man. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's, that'd be a great cosplay for you, Mark, ice cream maker guy from Empire Strikes Back. But yeah, that was cool. And, uh, you know, the lines moved pretty fast. They were pretty good about getting the lines, keeping them organized. And, you know, I get to meet this dude and he was really cool as hell. You know, I got to talk to him a little bit, and, you know, let him know. You know, me and my family have watched Adventure Time for a long time, and now we all watch Voltron. I didn't mention that my wife doesn't like Voltron, but, you know, 
you know, neither here nor there. Yeah. And he was just really cool. You know, he signed a picture for Janine and, and I texted her it and she was very happy. So got that out of the way. So while I was doing that, I think you were wandering and then we met up again and we hit up some of the cosplay stuff. Now, the 501st had a crazy booth there, Mark. Oh, my God. They totally stepped up their game. Uh, Every time we see them at a show, it gets better and better. <laughs> yeah, it really does. It really does. Just the imagination that goes into that, that's pretty ballsy. And I'm like, man, I don't know if it gets much better than this. But their cantina scene with a dead Greedo and a blaster on a table for you to pose with, that's badass. That is fucking badass. Joy, your picture came out great. Yeah, I, I had uh, I got a picture of myself with uh, Greedo. Like I shot him, and they had uh, a cantina bar. <laughs> they had all the droids. They had the K two S O set up that they had uh, last year at Rhode Island. It was freaking great, man. I love that stuff. I love the uh, giant like photo op props. I think that's a thing that a lot of booths and cons are kind of moving towards because you know social media. Everybody wants to post your picture on Instagram or Facebook or Twitter, or Snapchat or Google plus or, <laughs> <laughs> or whatever else there is. And you know, that's a way to get eyes on your booth and eyes on your product. There's a giant legends of the hidden temple uh, face as well. Yeah. Which, which meant absolutely nothing to me until you explained it to me. Mark doesn't watch nineties uh, Nickelodeon game shows. So, Oh, that was a game show. I thought that was like some kind of weird, like TV show. No. Well, it was a weird TV show, but I it mean, was a game show. <laughs> <laughs> and then we saw uh, Zombie Leader. Yeah, yeah. He had a great place as far as uh, uh, where they where they put him in in the convention. His area was pretty nice. It was uh, right down a row of cosplayers. Yes, they had a, a murderer's row of uh, like cos-famous cosplayers. Yep. It was like Jessica Nagiri and, and Sonia Erlin and, and just went all the way down the line. And I was telling the Mark, it's like my Instagram feed came to life. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't walk up to them and like tap them on the stomach and be like, heart. <laughs> <laughs> Not without getting kicked out, but that was. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> this isn't like Instagram at all. What the hell? What's happening here? <laughs> the Internet lied to me. I'm actually kicking myself. Um, you know, we were trying to do this on a budget because we're broke as hell. Yeah. We've got another con coming up next weekend, so we are like, and we have, uh, you know, not that anyone out there cares. We also have to pay our uh, yearly podcasting dues <laughs> to the podcasters union coming up at the end of August. So uh, the podcaster you know, not, gods. That's right. That's right. Uh, Patreon launching fall two thousand. <laughs> we're uh, so yeah, we're trying to do this on a budget. You know, I had <laughs> like forty dollars. I'm like, okay. $15 for lunch, $20 for gas. Right. That's the way to do it. $5 for an energy drink and a pack of gum. All right, <laughs> let's do this. <laughs> I'm so sorry, vendors. I would have bought stuff, I swear. But so we went and uh, we walked up and down that a little bit. And even the area where the celebrities were, some shows it's really cramped. And the way that the lines go, you're just like, I'm going to go completely in the opposite direction because I don't want to have a panic attack. <laughs> 
mm-hmm. but you could just walk right down the middle and it was well organized. That was actually a place that we trolled around a lot getting cosplay pictures of people because there was a lot of people there. <laughs> there yeah. was actually room where you could say, hey, can we take a picture? And then they could hit a pose as opposed to being in the middle of an aisle blocking everyone. So. Right. And that's the worst when you see like a cool cosplayer walking by and you're like, oh, let me get a picture. And then they stop and then the 80 people behind them all have to stop too. And they all give you that look. Yeah, it's a <laughs> fucking nightmare. And you're like, hold on. Let me take a picture. Wait, hold on. And then Mark's phone's like three, two, one. And the people <laughs> behind him are like. <sighs> that's not true my phone is not like that anymore <laughs> i got a better phone all right so then we uh we decided to hit up some panels now <laughs> i'm not gonna i'm not gonna call anybody out but i had a certain panel i picked out <laughs> on the schedule and i said that's gonna be really interesting i want to go to that panel so me and mark headed up there and first of all it looks like fucking Westworld when <laughs> trying to get to the panels with all these uh escalators everywhere and it did take us a little while to figure out where the hell we were. Yeah, because that place is fucking huge. But that's not a bad thing. It's no, just, it's great. It's great. It's more room to walk around. It's very rare that I actually have to pull out a, the paper map <laughs> they give you at the con. I've, I can't. I think it's probably been like 19 years since I've ever had to do that. Um, and I was just like, I don't know where the fuck it is again. <laughs> so like wandering. So we went to this panel, and goddamn, it was awful. Well, yeah. It could have been better. Let's put it that way. I could have thought I was I was sitting there and I was excited about the subject matter and I was like, cool, they're going to show some pictures and some clips of this stuff and and it's going to be fun. And it was just one person and they were reading off a piece of paper and <laughs> it was painful. <laughs> it was painful. Mm-hmm. And they didn't show anything. They just they had their laptop hooked up to the overhead projector. But they didn't use it, so we just stared at their screensaver the whole time. <laughs> and the worst part was when they'd be like, make a joke, pause for dead silence, pause for uh, like laughter, and like no one's laughing. <laughs> it's like, oof. it was uh, it was cringe to the max. So we ducked out of there. Yeah. See, Joey wanted to go see it, and I just needed a place to sit down and jump on social media, and do some posting. So it, it worked out fine for me. I missed ninety five percent of what what was being said on stage and that's fine. But then we, we ducked out cause Mark, you went to a panel that you had to actually stand in a big line for. Yeah. Yeah. Jewel state, uh, Kaylee from firefly, uh, had her little panel there. And, uh, the, one of the main reasons, like I said before, the reason I got dressed up as shepherd book is so I could meet as Kaylee Fry cosplayer. And, uh, she, told me about the jewel state panel and she's like, Oh, you have to go. You're just like shepherd book. It, it only makes sense. I'm like, all right. Yeah, that makes sense. And I've seen Jewel State before. I've met her a couple of times. I've seen her panels before. Uh, so I went to that panel and it was great. She she was super funny. Turns out that she likes playing villains. And turns out that Nathan Fillion really wants to do a scene where Kaylee dies. Which she doesn't want because, you know, she likes the character. But uh, it would give Nathan Fillion some some good like uh, acting chops. You know, give him a chance to stretch his... Uh, his uh, dramatic powers, because, you know, if you watch the show, you know, it, Captain Mal is kind of a hard ass. If Kaylee dies, you know, he's going to lose it. And Nathan Fillion was like chomping at the bit to get to that scene. But it's never going to happen because there isn't going to be any more Firefly. Uh, she said at the at the thought of doing another one, it's all or nothing. Like there won't be like a like a half TV spinoff or a animated show. It's either all of the cast doing the whole show or nothing at all. And I kind of respect that. 
you know, we still got the Firefly comic books if you want more stories of these characters. But yeah, you know, if they're going to bring it back, then bring it back all the way. Not just half-assed. Um, but yeah, it was a cool panel. She was a lot of fun. I really enjoyed it. Awesome. 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 Now, you, have you met her before in person or no? <laughs> yes. Okay. I just <laughs> I just wanted to understand why you weren't immediately in line to get her autograph and picture at the show. So I just wanted to make sure that it had already been done. Yeah, I've met her a few times and I have her autograph. Okay, good. Were you dressed as Shepherd Book slash Black Doc Brown when you met her? No. No, oh, okay. I wasn't. This was years ago. Years ago. This is, I wasn't even thinking about cosplay. <laughs> cool. <laughs> well, that's good. I'm glad the panel was good. Sometimes, the, like as we experienced before, panels can be a little cringy. Uh, sometimes, even when they're interesting, some of the questions can make you go, Ugh. So, I'm glad. I'm glad that that was worth the wait in line. Myself, um, proving my age, I waited in a little line, a tiny line. Maybe there's – Mark had like, what, like 400 people in there? <laughs> Uh, it probably it probably wasn't that bad, but yeah, it's like a little. I was a little bit worried about getting a seat in there. Yeah. Um, meanwhile, there was probably about fifteen to thirty people in the room <laughs> I was in, which was for uh, legendary comic book creator John Byrne making his final U.S. Comic Con appearance. Now, I guess he had had a panel the day before that was huge, so this was kind of a spillover one as well. Um, but he was talking about. It was really just a question and answer. It was him. It was former uh, Spider-Man writer slash Marvel editor Howard Mackey and uh, Chris Ryle, who was the uh, former chief creative officer and editor in chief IDW Comics, who um, they are they put out his. So John Byrne's current project is really terrible. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Oh, no, it's a. Uh, well, I mean, the guy's like legitimately a living legend, so he can kind of do whatever the fuck he wants. <laughs> But it's new Star Trek original series adventures in comic book form done by cutting up old pictures of the cast and using Photoshop on them. Oh, well, it's unique. I give it that. Yeah, it doesn't tick a lot of boxes for me. I don't like Star Trek and I don't really like (laughs) whatever that is. But, you know, guy is one of the greatest comic book artists of all time. So definitely wanted to check out his panel. And, and dude, it was freaking awesome. <laughs> like, of course it was. I had, you know, there were a lot of horror stories about him being a jerk. And he certainly comes off as uh, very, very sarcastic and also very quick to cut somebody off. Not that he did to me in the panel, but like just from his stories. So like if you guys were working together and you did something he didn't like, you're done. You're dead to him. Wow. Like he just he does not suffer fools, I guess would be the best way to put it very well. Um, and he's kind of earned the right to do that. But, you know, they talked a little bit about Steve Ditko. Um, Howard Mackey was talking about how he, when he was an editor at Marvel, um, Ditko would come in from time to time and see if they had any work for him. And th- there was an edict from up top that said, if he ever shows up looking for work, you give him work. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's on him. If he wants to come in, they're not going to pressure him or bother him. But if you he if he has work, if he's looking for something to do and he stops in, you give him something to do. That's it. Nice. <laughs> so he was saying that because uh, Ditko was a co-creator of Squirrel Girl, and it was that was actually an old inventory story they had sitting in the drawer forever, and he was going to give it to somebody else. He was literally sitting in his office handing the script to somebody else to draw, and Ditko stopped in and was like, "Hey, do you have anything I could work on?" <laughs> and he's like, "Uh, here, <laughs> take the Squirrel Girl and go away. Go do something." 
And the guy that he was supposed to give it to was like, that's, I, I understand. <laughs> that's perfectly fine. So that's kind of, that was an interesting story. And then the guy from IDW, they, they started doing ROM uh, comics a few years ago. They brought ROM back. I don't know if you remember ROM. Yeah, ROM to Space Knight. It was a toy, right? Right. right. Um, that had a long run at Marvel, and Ditko did a lot of issues uh, towards the end of the run. So he was like, well, I want to call Steve Ditko up and see if I can get him to do something, a pen up, a cover, anything, like just to... You know, see if he'll do some work for this because you know, obviously the guy's a legend. Um, so he called him up and he asked him, he said, hey, we're, we're bringing Rom back. Would you like to do some work on it? And he's like, I have no idea what Rom is and hung up on him. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like that, that, at, at first you're like, oh, what the hell? And then you're like, that's the most Steve Ditko thing that could ever happen. So it was fine. Um, yeah. And then John Byrne had a lot of really cool stories about working and in his process of writing and, and what he's doing. One that I thought was really cool is he mentioned that, you know, some newer writers don't do Marvel style scripts. So Marvel style scripts is kind of like the writer writes like, okay, Mark, this story is going to be this, 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 and this happens, draw it. And then you go draw it, you bring it back to me. And then I write the dialogue in based on what you drew. Mm -hmm. Um, Nowadays, people write full scripts, almost movie style. So it's taking a lot of creativity away from the artists. And he was mentioned, he mentioned when he was writing, Iron Man, not drawing, but writing it um, during the Armor Wars 2, two um, storyline. He had John Romita Jr. as his artist. And he's like, you don't tell John Romita Jr. what to draw. And the guy's freaking fantastic. So he's just like, I just wrote, then they fight for five pages. <laughs> and there's five blank pages that just said fight, 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 fight. <laughs> and he let him do whatever the hell he wanted. And that, I thought that was interesting. That's and awesome. Really, the big news that came out of it was that you know, he hasn't worked for Marvel in almost 20 years. They had a huge falling out. And just recently, he decided to fart around and draw an X-Men pen up. And then he had so much fun doing it. He kept going and drew 20 pages of a X-Men comic just for fun, uh, posted them on his forum. And there's a lot of really positive buzz that was coming out of it. And then the new editor-in-chief of Marvel approached him at the con and they had breakfast together and he showed us a picture of the two of them together shaking hands. Oh, wow. Um, But he was like, but I don't know if anything's going to come out of it. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. (laughs) So, you know, that was really the big news that he might go back and do something for Marvel, which would be awesome. I mean, even a cover or a pinup would be fucking fantastic. Yeah. Anything except uh, photoshopped pictures of Star Trek characters. So. So that was the panel I went to, and that was freaking great. I'm glad I went to that. That was probably the best thing I, I saw all day. So after that, what did we do after the panel? So then we went back down to the floor. So <laughs> we wanted to find uh, Kane Saatomi so we could say hi. Um, you may have heard her. Wow, that was a long time ago she was on the show. A couple of years ago at least, right? Yeah, that was our first cosplay Christmas special. Yeah. So that would have been 2014, 15. That was a long time ago. Anyway, good friend of the show. And we knew she was across in the five-hour energy area. <laughs> the five-hour energy area is this gigantic, like, stage-slash-bus that was playing, like, super loud, terrible 90s music. Yep. They were playing Mambo Number no. 5 when we got over <laughs> <laughs> Who doesn't love Mambo Number no. 5? There were a bunch of people in cosplay, like, dancing around to it. And it was just like, it's, it's just like some sort of fever dream that I'm having, like a I don't even understand what's happening, but yeah, that was terrible. Um, but yeah, we get to see her, talk to her a little bit. She was there with the uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. New England, people doing uh, some stuff for charity. So that was cool. 
And then you got some interviews. Yeah, yeah. So I, you know, was going to be really diligent on where I was going to spend my money as far as like independent comic books. And uh, I came across uh, TJ Sterling, who was at the end of Artist Alley or not, not at the end, but he's at one of the side side rows towards the end. And, uh, you know, he was wearing a Tribe Call Quest shirt and I saw look, uh, took a quick look at his artwork and he like, you know, waved me over. It's like, hey, come check this out. And I'm like, all right, you know, this is going to be my first glance, like really good glance at independent comics. And uh, I talked to him for a little bit and saw his book. It's called Okemus, O-K-E-M-U-S. And uh, he writes it. He draws it. Uh, the artwork looks cool. I talked to him for a little bit. He's a cool dude. And I said, you know what? This work is, this is worth my money. I'll get a book and, uh, you know, let's talk about it. So he gave me the, the synopsis and I uh, got an interview with him because uh, I definitely wanted to share his, his work. All right. Well, let's hear that right now. All right, WizKids, this is Marky Mark, So Wizard Podcast. I am at Fan Expo Boston here with independent artist TJ Sterling of Ray Comics. TJ, how you doing today, man? Doing good, Mark. Pleasure to meet you. Thanks for coming by and interviewing me. I'd love uh, to give you guys a rundown of what we got going on today. Yeah, it looks like you have a few different books that you work on, a few different independent books. So why don't you give me a rundown of the uh, title and what the a little bit of what the story is about? Absolutely. It'd be my pleasure. So... Okamus is my flagship title. The comic book company's name is Ray Comics. That's R-A-E Comics. And Okamus, our flagship title, is about a young kid of color that has an incredible superhuman ability. This particular ability is latent. Doesn't know that he has it, but it's essential to saving the future and of humankind. And he's actually being pursued by four mechanized warriors from the future that actually want that power for their own nefarious reasons. Can't tell you guys too much more without ruining the story, but I'd love for you to check it out. Awesome. I can tell you one of the things that grabs me right off right off the bat is the kid has a Run DMC t-shirt on. Absolutely. I'm a big Run DMC fan, so right. seeing that, that warms my heart. So obviously with the Run DMC t-shirt, I see you wearing the uh, Tribe Called Quest t-shirt right there. Uh, so is does hip-hop play a little bit of a factor within this story? Um, hip-hop definitely doesn't, it, well, it doesn't really play a factor in this particular story per se, but it does play a factor in the creation of, of these books in general because... For me as an artist, my creative process is really simple. I come home every single day after working in Manhattan, um, doing other art jobs, you know, freelance jobs, and then I actually put my headphones on. I'm usually listening to classic hip hop or some type of, you know, jazz, uh, funk, reggae, soul, something like that from back in the day. And that fuels the creative process for me. So really, music is embedded into the art on, uh, like I say, a subconscious level. All right. Now, how long have you been making comics for yourself? I've been making comic books since 2015. Um, I actually got into the business in 2010 when I was an intern at Marvel in college. I was there for about a year. I was in the production and bullpen uh, department where I was actually learning the science of how the uh, book production works when it comes through tail to tip. Um, Comic book production is a very specific science, and Marvel did such a great job at training so many young people like myself. And after that, you know, I kind of went on to make my own stuff. Well, it looks really good, man. Where can people find your comic book if they don't happen to catch you at a convention like I did? Absolutely. Well, I'm online um, all over the place. You can find all of my comics, including print and digital versions, on my website. That's raecomics.com. Raecomics.com. All right. Well, TJ, thank you very much for taking the time to uh, talk to us here. So, Wizard, and uh, good luck, man. Good luck with, with everything in the future. 
Thank you so much. I love you guys. Appreciate you. And um, stay watching and listening to So Wizard. They're an incredible podcast. All right. That was pretty cool, Mark. Uh, I think people should definitely check out his book. Uh, at some point, you, you will let me flip through it, I'm sure. Uh, if you're lucky, maybe. <laughs> uh, if you if you guys do want to check out his artwork, um, if you are on Instagram, check him out at TJ Sterling Art on Instagram or visit the website uh, for the comic book, as you heard in the interview, www.raecomics.com, raycomics.com. Awesome. And then dreams come true. <laughs> you got another interview. Tell us all about this and the adventure you went through to get just a picture with this person, never mind an interview. Yeah, so I figured uh, with Ask Kaylee Fry cosplay being at the convention, this was my one opportunity to get a picture of me dressed as Shepard Book and her dressed as Kaylee. So uh, I took advantage of it and I definitely had to talk to her because I've been following her for a while on social media. Uh, if you haven't seen her, take one look at her and you'll swear it was Kaylee from Firefly. Uh, so, you know, she was very sweet, very kind to... Uh, so I chop it up with me for a little bit. And uh, here is the interview with Ask Kaylee Fry Cosplay. All right, Wiz Kids, Marky Mark. So was your podcast. I am still here at Fan Expo Boston 2018. And I am sitting with the lovely and talented Ask Kaylee Fry. Uh, if you guys have been following me on social media, you know that this has been a long time coming. Uh, I think she's amazing. And I was so honored to get a chance to see her. Ask Kaylee Fry, how are you doing today? I'm great. I'm so flattered. You're saying such nice stuff. I don't know. It's always really cool when I get to meet someone who like has said they've been following my work for a long time because I think about this and I'm like, yeah, you know, I've been doing this for a couple years and I'm like, I never, I don't know. I never know what I'm doing. So it's really cool to like have that appreciated and see it recognized. Your resemblance to Jewel State is uncanny. <laughs> You must get confused for her sometimes. I I don't know if I get confused with her, but I do, like, I do constantly. People are like, you look so much like her. Like, has anyone told you this? Which I always think is funny when I'm wearing the costume because it's like, obviously, like, that's what I'm trying to do. But, like, at the same time, I don't do, like, I put on minimal makeup. I do very little for my face. I just put on the costume and people are like, you're so amazing. And I'm like, it's really, I'm really not working that hard. So it's weird because it's, it's a little bit of that, like, do I deserve this? Do I not? Um, but no, it's it's fun. I I love it. I've been doing it for since 2012. So a while now, like six years in, in October. Now, are you, were you a fan of the original Firefly show to begin with? No, I did not see it when it originally came out I had people tell me I looked like her like a few times when I was in high school and and then it was on Netflix it was one of the few things that was like streaming early on on Netflix and so I was like oh I might as well you know I might as well just watch this so I did and I was like oh this is pretty cool like I'll try dressing up as her for like Halloween or whatever and then I wore it to a convention and that was when I got, I got so, honestly, I got so much attention for it that I was like, this is great. I have to never stop doing this. But yeah, so then I got really into like, I, I watched the, I watched the whole show. I watched the movie. I was heartbroken and I've read the comics. I've read, there's a, there's a new like novelization coming out soon too. So I'm, I'm, I keep up with it. 
Now, have you ever met Jewel State? Have you ever had a chance to talk to her? I had talked to her very briefly when I was just starting out cosplaying. Um, I went to Philadelphia Comic-Con, Wizard World Philly, in 2013, which was like right after I had started cosplaying, because she was going to be at that convention with a couple of the other ones. And I got a chance to like say hi to her and like take a picture with her. But it was like super brief. Like beyond that, I'm, I love going to her panels. I love hearing her talk. I love all, listening. I, celebrity panels with celebrities that I care about are like so cool. One of my favorite things about the Comic-Con experience. Now, obviously you do an amazing Kaylee. Uh, is there any other cosplays that you like to do? Yeah, I've started like trying to branch out a little bit more. Um, one that I'm really excited about that I did on Friday of this convention is Magic Wand Hermione, but instead of a wooden magic wand, it's the Magic Wand Massager. Because um, it's just, it's not even sexy. It's exactly a Hermione <laughs> costume, but instead of the wooden wand, it's a, it's a magic wand. Um, and I just think, I don't know, I think that's funny. I think like playing, a, like being a little bit of a joke with it. I used to be super into Harry Potter as a kid. Um, so that, that's one of my favorite ones. That's a new one that I just came out with. Like, this is the first convention that I wore it to. Um, I do Zoya the Destroyer from Glow. That's a blast. I love to do the Russian accent all day and, like, fight people and drink vodka. I, I do Elizabeth Swan sometimes from Pirates of the Caribbean. Um, mostly to Renaissance fairs for that one because it's a little bit, like, Nobody recognizes you in a Comic-Con as that because it's a little basic unless you've got, like, a Jack with you and I don't always have someone. What else? Oh, I do Ro Laren from Star Trek The Next Generation. Okay. Those are those are the ones that I have, like, ready to go. I could wear them tomorrow with, like, maybe a minimal amount of work. There's a ton that I want to do. I really want to do Leia. I really want to do Rey. I want to do something from Lord of the Rings. But that's, like, a big build that I haven't gotten to yet. Um, and, like, a lot of sewing and a lot of work. That's, that's, that's my, like, loose plans for right now. Well, you do a great job in all the pictures that I see you in. Uh, where can the people find you? Where can they follow you at? Yeah, so I am Ask Kaylee Fry everywhere. That's A-S-K as in ask a question, Kaylee Fry. Um, if you go to askkayleefry.com, it'll link you to everything. But I'm on, like... Facebook, Instagram, Facebook and Instagram are the two big ones that I use besides publishing like write-ups of stuff uh, and photo galleries on my website. I do, I used to do some unboxing videos. I'm hoping to do a little bit more on YouTube in the future. I'm on like Pinterest and Tumblr, but I don't really use them as much anymore. Don't really understand how Pinterest works. But yeah, Ask Kaylee Fry anywhere is me and that's where you can find me. Awesome. Well, Ask Kaylee Fry, thank you so much for taking the time to sit down with us here at So Was a Podcast. Yeah, it was, a, it was totally a blast. All right. Awesome. Well, the people should definitely check her out on Instagram and Twitter. Maybe we can even have her on again sometime, Mark, and you can have a more in-depth interview where you guys talk about Firefly and I fall asleep <laughs> in the background. Can't wait. <laughs> that's my controversial opinion i'm just not into firefly <laughs> that's right it's uh that's your fault i still haven't seen event horizon so i can't really talk <laughs> there you go nobody's perfect right <laughs> <laughs> awesome so yeah then we kind of just wandered around for a little while more and talked to some more people and then it was time to feel that old road a calling so 
know, overall, what did you think of Fan Expo, Mark? Uh, I thought it was great. It's decent size, a lot of different variety of uh, different things. I, you know, I did get a comic book, but I actually did get some cool art too. I got a uh, an fake album cover <laughs> of uh, from Empire Records. Uh, so it's a fake album cover, and the artist's name is Drew Blank, D R E W B L A N K, and he does like a lot of like a uh, like geeky stuff. If geek characters made albums and uh he had one that was hanging up that was a rex manning album from empire records and uh out of all of the ones that he had there's no way i could walk away without getting that so i got that and if you're an empire records fan you will be happy to know that each rex manning album comes with a empire records name tag that has warren across the bottom of it it doesn't get much better than that it doesn't get much better than that i love it uh and i also found a Store that has K-pop stuff too. Now, granted, ninety-eight percent of the stuff is all BTS, uh, so I had to dig, but I did find a Red Velvet sticker and a Girls' Generation pin. So, K-pop at a comic book convention, I'm, I'm there for that. So yeah, so finding some cool stuff and getting some uh, getting some independent books and meeting some cool artists and cosplayers, it was a really good time. It was a great convention. I, I really, really enjoyed myself. Unpopular opinion, I hate Empire Records. <laughs> oh, yeah, of course. Of course you do. <laughs> I, me and my wife watched it. I think we rented it on VHS, and we both like were like, oh, this movie's terrible. So I guess I found the one person in the world that was definitely worth marrying then. <laughs> we both hated Empire Records. But uh, I will echo what Mark said. I We had a great time at Fan Expo. I really wish we had gone for more than one day. And a lot of times you don't say that when <laughs> you go to a show, you're like, okay, I'm done. Please take me home. Mm-hmm. But, you know, this definitely was something we could have gone Saturday, Sunday and spent a lot of money, <laughs> more money as well, too. Um, Cause there were uh, definitely some autographs I wouldn't mind getting and definitely some panels that on Saturday that we missed out on um, that would have been pretty cool. But yeah, I mean, in terms of the venue, in terms of what was there and in terms of, you know, the value for your dollar, I, I don't know. I really liked it. I think uh, hopefully we'll be back next year and maybe we'll uh, hit it up for two days instead of one. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. If you guys aren't sure about if you're in the area, you're thinking about the Boston Comic Con. It's, you know, the space is amazing. The parking was easy. Uh, There's a variety of different things to look at. Uh, If you want to get ice cream, there was a big gay ice cream truck that was there selling ice cream, which is pretty amazing. Uh, you can see the picture of it on the website on uh, our Facebook page, uh, but it's a it's a really good con. If you you know if there there's so many cons that's in the area, if you're thinking about one that might be one big one for you to save your pennies and go to, I think the the Fan Expo Boston one might be a good one to look into. Awesome. All right, and we're back. That was an awesome time at Fan Expo. Once again, thank you so much to them for providing us with the access to cover their event. There'll be some more coverage on our Facebook page, our Twitter, and uh, on our website. So why don't we wrap things up with some recommendations for the listeners. Aubrey, what have you got for us this week? Uh, Don't be a fool. Wrap your tool. (laughs) (laughs) Wrap it before you tap it? (laughs) Yeah, that's all I got for everybody. Stop procreating. The world has enough of you. That was uh, Janine had to do some survey for health class where to ask your parents questions about sex. And it was one of the questions was, what is 
your advice to teenagers. And that was what I wrote was wrap it before you tap it. <laughs> and I didn't know this at the time, but she had to read that in front of the class. Nice. <laughs> it was amazing. It, my dad once I went to, um, a meet, like a school meeting with my teachers and, uh, my English teacher had my dad the first year he ever started. And apparently my dad had said to him, uh, the teacher was like, you know, what comes after the climax meaning in a story? And my father raised his hand and he goes, a cigarette. Nice. <laughs> yeah. And the teacher remembered that while we were in a school <laughs> meeting. Yep. That'd be him. My father, ladies and gentlemen. Hey, you said wrap it before you tap it. So I want to say you're a chip off the old block. <laughs> Poor Noah. He's in for a rude awakening. <laughs> All right. What about you, Mark Ellis? Uh, I want to recommend everyone, if you haven't already got the digital copy, pick up the DVD of Avengers Infinity War. Uh, I will be watching the hell out of that movie as many times as I can allow in my weekly schedule because that movie is amazing. And uh, it's coming out on DVD this week. So pick it up. Support Marvel. They're a struggling studio. They need the money. <laughs> awesome. Well, I will recommend that everybody go to soulwizardpodcast.com where they can find the podcast every week and links to all our social media accounts on the right-hand side of the page. Movie reviews, streaming picks, and so much more. Soulwizardpodcast.com. Don't forget to subscribe to us on iTunes slash Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or just about any podcatching app under the sun. And I will recommend that everybody go check out Terrific Con uh, coming up this weekend, the the 17th through the 19th at Mohegan Sun in beautiful Uncasville, Connecticut. We'll be there on Saturday checking the whole thing out as press. And at 2 p.m., I will be on the Angry Geek Show live panel uh, discussing some nerdy topics with our friends over at the Angry Geeks, Jar Jar Jeremy. Lewis and that Wonder Woman, Jamie, and that panel will probably fill up and not be accessible to you if you don't get there early. So definitely get there and head out to Terrificon. That's all I got. And then next week on our podcast, you'll hear us talk all about our time at Terrificon. So you definitely want to come back for episode 211. But this has been episode number 210 of the So Wizard podcast. I've been your host, Joey DiCarlo. My co-host, the queen of all nerds, Aubrey Litchfield. So long, citizens of the internet. And the expert, Mr. Marquis Marcellus Reagans. A-O-G-G. Wakanda forever. <laughs> we'll see you next week. Good journey. <laughs>